Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. So, what is it today? What are we going to begin with? What fantastic innovation? We are going to begin with, you may remember some time ago, you zooming around the Share Radio studio, as as it was then, on the mono wheel or solo wheel, to give it its correct title. Uh, yes, it's one of those experiences you don't forget. It is quite, quite scary. And that was in a carpeted room with no yes. staircase to fall down. Yes. <laughs> well, that was invented by a chap called Shane Chen, who mm. also invented the hoverboard, so-called hoverboard, which is a platform with two wheels next to each other sort of side sideways that you would then try desperately to balance on and what's mm. clever about the holly the hoverboard is that it, the wheels adjusted their speed so it always kept below your center of gravity mm. which was ingenious anyway shane chen has come up with a new uh, vehicle in using the mobile inverted pendulum to give its correct title mm. which is a two-wheeled car which he what? has called Shane. Yes, they are. The wheels are big. They're about five feet high, hmm. and they are sort of either side of the car. And there's a pod which is front opening because, of course, there's no engine to get in the way because the engines, such as they are, are in the wheels. It takes five Ooh. passengers, um, and the pod slides backwards and forwards when it's accelerating or braking, always to keep it in the center of gravity. Uh, differential steering, so all you do is control the speed of each wheel in order to, to steer, mm. which of course makes it very easy to park. And so far, he's got as far as a mock-up video showing how it would work if he managed to invent it. Right. Well, presumably he's got form, so maybe he can. He's got but, form. But, yes. but given that the other ones only have one person, if you've got five people and they all move suddenly in one direction, is that not going to be a problem? Well, there's not a lot of room for them to all move suddenly in one direction. The problem, I think, will come from when the car is switched off. Because it can't carry on using electricity power to balance. Ooh. So maybe it has a little foot that comes down at the front when it, when it tilts forward. Mm. I don't know. But anyway, what a what a clever idea. I saw one of those sort of mono, mono-wheel electric things on the road recently. I hadn't seen one for yeah. absolutely ages. But there was a guy who clearly knew what he was doing, weaving in and out of the, the traffic on one. You really do have to know what you're doing. Yes, but he did look as if he knew, but still quite scary. Just needs one yes. driver not to notice him. No, exactly. And talking of wacky cars, oh, you you remember the Transformers, which were toys, robots that turned into cars. Yeah, my son had some for a while. I never quite understood the point, but yes. And I once I went to once went to review one of the movies, but I refused to pay for the three D glasses. Believe me, if you think they're the, the movies make no sense. <laughs> Try watching it in 3D without the glasses. No, in, indeed. Um, did you pay to see the movie? Um, no, I think I got in the movie free, but they wouldn't give me the glasses free, so I didn't want to pay for the glasses. Because well, even though you were reviewing it, uh, you're yes, but not officially. I'd just gone to a just gone to a oh, local cinema. Okay, right. Yeah. Well, so this is called Gundam, which are these giant robots that turn into cars and back again. Right. Yeah. It's a sci-fi franchise, okay. and they all feature a little mecha robot, as they call them, with an onboard pilot. Well, a Japanese company called Tsubami Industries has made one, and not just one, but you can go and buy it. It's Good called grief. Archax, and it's four and a half meters tall, 
lots of teeth feet high, yes. <laughs> right. When it's in robot mode, it has four legs, uh, which don't walk like legs, but they have wheels at the bottom, so they kind of speed yes. around. Like the actual model Transformers, yes. Yes. It has the cockpit mounted between the arms. The arms have five fingers on them that can grasp. Yes. And a head um, above the cockpit with a, with a camera in it. The, the pilot will have four video screens, front, back, left and right, with joysticks to operate the arms and pedals to operate the legs. Top speed of 6.2 miles an hour, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I think if this thing is bearing down on you, even at 6.2 miles yes. an hour, probably terrifying. Weighs yes. three and a half tonnes. Good grief. I don't imagine yes. the Department of Transport's going to let it go on the roads anytime soon, but it would be possibly scary not. if it did. Yes. Well, up for pre-order now at <laughs> 400 million yen. Uh, not What's quite that? as much as it sounds. Almost about two and a quarter million pounds. Good grief. Who on earth is going to want one of those? Well, exactly. Who on earth is going to want one of those? I mean, even by the standards of eccentric millionaires' toys, that yes. does seem a bit... You've got to really like your kid if you want to buy him one of those for two and a quarter million quid. You have. And, and how would you wrap it before you give it to him? That's true. He'd just have to close his eyes. He would have to close his eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'd well, like to see his face when he sees it. Hey, the mm. reason I didn't pay for the glasses was I had a dozen pairs of the Bally things at home and I forgot to take them with me. Uh, you know, right. My own foolishness. Anyway, yes, uh, let's move on because I don't really care for Transformers. Let's move on. We talked back in August, not all that long ago, about how driverless taxis in San Francisco are now operating 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, not anymore, they're not. Cruise Cars, which was the uh, one of the two operators that operate 24-hour days uh, a day, have been suspended because one of their cars hit a pedestrian. Mm. Having hit the pedestrian, it then, in their jargon, detected their collision and attempted to pull over, not noticing that the pedestrian was still underneath the car. And so Ow. it dragged the pedestrian over to the side of the road as it as it went, which is... Not a good thing to happen. So they've been taken off. Waymo, the other mm. operator, is still on the road because so far they have not managed to drag any pedestrians to the pavement. But uh, well, um, If only they, they'd asked Google to use their patented sticky bonnet that we discuss course. with regularity. Of course. Yes, that, that and the yodeling pickle, I think, make regular appearances yes. on gadgets and gizmos. Yes, yes, yes. Because the, the idea is, Google is, if you hit a pedestrian, they just stay on the bonnet, so they don't do, the, you know, they don't bounce onto the road, which is what does the real damage. Or being dragged yes. underneath the car, of course. That also does a fair amount of damage. <laughs> yes. It does indeed. Let's have one of these. Right. Now, we talked back in March about the coop. The coop being a high-tech chicken coop made out oh, of yes. recycled yes. plastic and um, and wire mesh. Looks a bit like a prison, not not like a nice wooden chicken coop. But it's an automatic chicken coop, so it opens at dawn and closes mm. at dusk, and it has cameras so you can see exactly where your chickens are. Version 2 is now AI-powered, thanks to Albert Eggstein. Oh, good grief. Exactly. And what Albert Eggstein does is he tells you what the chickens are talking about. <laughs> oh, here we go. Well, this is, this is a Nick Park invention. 
<laughs> it does sound like it. It is. So what happens is it measures the volume and the patterns of their clucks and chirps. Mm. And thanks to its AI database, then interprets the mood of the chickens. So it can tell you via an app whether they're happy or not and, and generally what they're up to. Well, by and large, if a fox gets in, you can tell they're pretty unhappy. I would have thought even without that. You probably you probably could, but this tells you other things, I suppose, about you know whether they're yeah. whether they're cheerful, whether they've got the right kind of food. Well, if they've gone to version two, I can only assume version one was a success. Well, so it seems. Um, still on pre-order, two thousand dollars US only um, for the moment. So if you're planning on getting one, you have to move to the states to farm yeah. your chickens. You you need a lot of chickens to make up for the cost of a $2,000 chicken coop. I mean, how many eggs you do really have to do. lay before it actually is worthwhile? Well, when do you think that you could, I could build you a chicken coop for about, I guess, 20 quid hmm. for all the materials? So I, and, you know, and, I, and I could I give you another 20 quid. You'd sit in there and tell me what the chickens were thinking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's, yes, we can compare the two and see which one wins out. Indeed yes. we can. Yes. yes. Steve Kaplan, chicken whisperer. Yes. <laughs> Chicken clucker. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, onwards. Well, you and I have been watching For All Mankind. We talk about it many times on this show. Because we can't understand why everybody else doesn't know it. If you're listening to this show and you have access to Apple TV+, Plus, or even if you don't, then get access to Apple TV+, Plus, if only to watch For All Mankind, which is just the best sci-fi show. It's about how... It, the world would be if America and Russia had continued their space race. Yes, yes. Though there are other good sci-fi things on there. Foundation and Silo are both absolutely splendid as well, though for all mankind yeah. is the better. But apparently prices of that and other subscription services are going up soon. Apple's put the price up in the United States, I think from oh. six ninety nine to nine ninety nine a month, uh, claiming there's so much good stuff on there. And I'm sure it will only be a matter of time before the same happens here. Well, there is so much good stuff on there. Anyway, the reason I mentioned it yes. is because there's uh, quite a lot of footage of space shuttles landing. Hmm. And, of course, there's tremendous heat generated on re-entry. Yes. And the problem with the heat is it applies to all hypersonic vehicles, what they call ones that go more than five times the speed of sound, is that the leading edge melts and distorts, hmm. which makes it much less aerodynamic. So scientists have been looking at a way to cool these uh, these rockets, these shuttles down, and the answer seems to be to make them sweat. So the mm -hmm. uh, microscopic channels are going to be built inside these things, which take liquid to the surface when it's needed, which then evaporates and produces a cooling effect. So far, they have tested it with an object the size of a credit card, over uh, a little blowtorch. And they say it works. <laughs> right. Okay, if I were an astronaut, I'd be really reassured. To yes. That. yes, yes. It's it's early days yet, but I don't know how they're going to cart all that liquid up there. Ricky. Mm -hmm. And yes. also, is it going to be enough just sweating out as you're subjected to these tremendous, the tremendous heat and... They're scientists. They'll have thought it through, I'm sure. We know that. <laughs> as they always do. <laughs> Absolutely. Time for us to pause briefly. We'll be back with more Gadget and Gizmos very shortly. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
This is Simon Rose. Now, if you've uh, been um, um, uh, captured by the new viral game this week, the uh, London Metro Memory uh, game, as Steve and I have, have been doing, um, you may have missed other things. You may not have gone to the cinema. But as you may know, Steve, the new Martin Scorsese film is out uh, now, Killers of the Flower Moon. But it's a whopping three and a half hours. And, you know, with the best word in the world, you take a drink in with you. After a while, you're thinking, when's the good time to nip out to the loo? And you might not know, but you will Are you talking now. talking about Run P? Oh, yes. Why? Are you about to talk about it? No, but we have discussed it on this on this show. Gosh, you know, I completely forgotten that. Absolutely forgotten. Oh, you would think with a name like that, I would have, I would have remembered. Oh, yes. Well, I read about it the other day and for some reason... It did not trigger anything in my mind. Oh, well, Run P. Huh. Run P, yes, is the app I was talking about, which Steve so splendidly explained just the other week. Um, and if you're oh, going no, to a long a movie... A few years you... ago. Oh, was it a few years ago? Oh, yes, right, but it's coming yes. into its own because films are getting longer. I'm amazed you remember yes. the name. If it's a few years ago, I don't feel quite so bad about not remembering. Um, but it will tell you when to nip out to the loo. And apparently just before you go back in, it'll give you a brief synopsis of what you've missed. Brilliant. So, yeah. Excellent, yes. but coming into its well, own. depending on the speed of your bladder, of course, because you might have missed quite a lot. Well, that is probably very true. It was Hitchcock, yes. I think, who said, yes, the length of the film should be directly related to the endurance of the human bladder. But even he may have one, <laughs> yes. one or two quite long films. Right, sorry, so onwards, I'm sorry, be telling you something you what? already know. That's right. No, let's, let's go to our crowdfunding time of the week. Fanfare, oh. please. You're going to have one. And kitchen knives. Mm-hmm. You can spend anything from a couple of quid to an awful lot more than that on mm-hmm. a kitchen knife. Mm-hmm. But how much would you spend on an ultrasonic kitchen knife? Well, quite like the sound You're of intrigued. it. intrigued. Yes, you do. I can tell you. I like the sound of it. So this uh, converts the energy from its battery from 12 volts into 900 volts, which then vibrates the blade 45,000 times a second. Ooh. And which makes it much easier to cut things, they, they say, because you've got a sort of vibrating blade yes. and it slices through, through hard things. It looks absolutely ingenious. It has a uh, the battery and all the other technology is built into the handle and it has wireless charging, rather like a, a toothbrush. You say cut hard things, but actually I the problem I have is cutting soft things, particularly bread that I've made, because the bread comes out beautifully, but it is quite soft. Ah. So I bought quite an expensive um, bread knife, but it's still, you can't do really thin slices. Ah, so this well, thing this would be knife, great. It claims that it's very good for soft things as well, except yeah. the, the blade is only, it looked to me, about five inches long. So oh. unless you're making very narrow, you could make baguette, I suppose, and then you could slice <laughs> to <load. laughs> Yes, that would be but I'm not making baguettes. No. Um, oh, well, it sounds good fun, but um, it does sound good fun. Um, it is about £290. Oh. Plus VAT, because it's from the Czech Republic, so they have to charge us VAT. Oh, which quite is pricey. It is quite pricey, isn't it? Yes, yeah. so quite a lot for... Anyway, it ends on the 7th of December, and if you go on Kickstarter and look for the ultrasonic kitchen knife, you can see it in action. Yeah, pay attention when using it, because it'll take the end of your, end of your finger off. Very easily, have you tried imagine. an electric carving knife? Uh, no, that might do it because they have two blades that slide parallel, slide next to each other, and you might find that just zips through your bread 
I might, I might have a look. Trouble is, if it doesn't work, I've then got an electric carving knife, and I very rarely make joints of meat for which I would need one. Electric carving knife, also very good for cutting polystyrene, which I imagine is something you don't need to do very often. <laughs> I don't do it very often, though, but I'm glad no. to know, as I'm sure will our listeners be. Uh, let's have one of these. Right, where now? And more from the wacky world of science. Sitting, sitting for too long is bad for you. So the Arctic University of Norway have done a lot of research into this and found that the solution is to go for a walk. What will they think of next? If you go for a walk for 22 minutes a day, then it will counter all of the adverse effects of sitting all day. Have, Have they just been connected to the internet, do you think? Because I have to say, I think lots of scientists have told us that for a long time. This is about yes. on a par with last week's scientists who discovered that if you didn't actually drink as much, you didn't get as drunk. Yes, <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. Oh, OK. Anyway, but all of these scientific discoveries and more will be, uh, of course, considered for a possible Nobel Prize, um, which brings us rather neatly onto oh. our next item which is the Swedish Academic Dictionary. Right. The Swedish Academic Dictionary, all 39 volumes of it, hmm. has just finally been published. Two, only 200 copies, but you can get to it online at saob.se. And they have just completed it, having started it in 1883. <laughs> wow. Now, there are some issues. So, for example... It doesn't include the word allergy, because that was coined in the 1920s, and the volume A was completed in 1893. (laughs) So they're going to spend the next seven years going through the dictionary, adding words like computer and Barbie doll, which (laughs) didn't make it in there because they didn't exist when those volumes were written. I'm quite intrigued. Why would you want Barbie doll in an academic dictionary? Because, well, a dictionary... And it's the Swedish Academy Dictionary. Oh, I see. Sorry. So it is just a dictionary, not not just scientific. Okay. Mm. Well, that seems slightly useless. And you think, how many well, of these 200 copies are they actually going to manage to shift? Well, probably not that many, uh, 39 volumes, but I suppose people just use it online and they're printing some just so that people can say they've got yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Let us move on. Wonderful. Flipping a coin, as anyone knows, is the way to make a decision between two options, and it's used by Mm. referees worldwide. Mm. Because when you flip a coin, it's 50-50 on how it comes down. Or is it? No, it isn't. Not according to the University of Amsterdam, who got 48 people to flip 46 different coins a total of 350,000 times. And okay, yes, they discover that there is a bias towards the way which way up the coin is when before you flip it, which way it's resting on your thumb. Oh. And in fact, it comes down as 50.8% more likely to be the way up that you started versus 49.2%. So, what a load of tosses! That's quite interesting. It's not really enough to bet on unless you're actually betting something like a thousand times in a row. 
Yes. Anyway, it, even, even then, I mean, 350,000 times in a row, you still wouldn't make very much out of it. But there yeah. we go. So flipping a coin is not quite as Im, uh, as impartisan, unpartisan. Um, yeah. Well, it's 51 to 49, almost. Yes. yes, almost, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try and remember that next time. So it, it, it has nothing to do with what's on the head and what's on the reverse of the coin. Just no. simply which way yeah. is going up to start with but then going, yeah. there's a little problem because many people when they flip a coin sometimes you turn it over when you bring it down people would it goes into the part and then yes you and turn then it turn and put it, it on the yes, other that's true. so that would actually reverse their conclusion unless they'd factored that in I think you need to get. I don't think so. Tell them they need to do another three hundred fifty thousand the other way. (laughs) Well, if they're listening, they're probably (laughs) slapping their foreheads at this moment. Yes, Yes. realizing, oh my god, we got it all wrong. Yes. Well, I'm quite intrigued. Because yes. Oh well, the answer is if you have a coin that's heads up, and you flip it, and while it's in the uh, in the air, your opponent calls heads, then you catch it and turn it upside down. That's true. Otherwise, you just catch it and reveal it. Yes. Yes. I think yeah. football matches. Let's let it fall on the ground, don't they? And then peer yes. over the top. Yeah, peer, yes, they look. Then, then sort of look at it. So that does. Yes, which is odd because since football's played on grass, it could land, you know, wedged between a couple of blades of grass, not fully flat. I don't follow football any more than you do, but I'm not aware that that could <laughs> have been a problem in the past. No, possibly not. <laughs> okay, um, we still have a bit of time. So where are we going now? Uh, we're going out to sea, and we're going out to have a sea to have a look at some wind turbines. Now, the thing about wind turbines at sea is they're very expensive to install. Mm-hmm. So the bigger the wind turbine, the more bang you get for your buck, as it were. Right, right. The thing about wind turbines is a small increase in blade length produces a big increase in power. So, for example, if you have 10-meter-long blades, then... Uh, your total area is, well, pi r squared. So uh, 100 pi, so 331, 314 square meters. Mm. Yep, with me so far? If you add one meter of length of the blade, you get an extra 66 square meters of swept area. Mm. Yes, so that's absolutely very significant. So the bigger the blades the more cost-effective it is. Well, out in China, they are producing a wind turbine with blades with a diameter of 310 metres, with a total swept area equivalent to 60 Olympic swimming pools. It's enormous. It's going to be taller than the Eiffel Tower. Wow. Which is big, which is very, very, very big. To hope yes. it doesn't fall over. Yes, well, even they all have limited life. Goodness knows how they're going to what they're going to do when it comes to the end of its limited life, or how many birds and things it'll kill during its life. Extraordinary. And is that on land or on sea? No, it's on sea. It's on sea. On land, it's not so much of an issue because it's not that difficult to install wind turbines. Or I mean, it's very true, difficult. True. But at sea, it is very, very difficult indeed. So, so that one the big one is them. much better than lots of yeah. little ones. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm afraid it's all. We have time for, but thank you very much indeed. Sorry to come back and tell you about an app that you told me about ages ago, but um, 
Um, it's not a good idea to me. Uh, but that's it, though, for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmo. We'll be back with more at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.